What up, what up, what up? Welcome into a new edition of Green with Envy and a very, very happy new year to all of you listening out there. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Menakis. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too, man. I, I was uh, almost surprised we didn't get the call to come fill in for Scal and Grandy during that 35-minute delay. <laughs> Yeoman's work from the two of them today, just having No to, break! No, Yeah, I don't I don't know what the reasoning for. Did they think they were going to miss them fixing a 40-minute <laughs> delay of the hoop if they went to a break? I mean, this was... And I got to say, you know, you, you, we were talking in our Celtics Slack, Celtics blog Slack channel. And then you said, you know, at one point, Scal was struggling just to be a functioning human being <laughs> to, during, during that break. And this is where one of the thoughts across my mind is, thank God we have Sean Grandy in this moment. Because if this was, Ooh. and actually for enter- entertainment, maybe, I don't know, maybe it could have gone the other way where it would have worked out. If this was a Maxwell and Scal game. I have no idea what could have happened in those 40 minutes. Even a Mike and Scal game. Like yeah. they they need the crutch of basketball to keep the conversation going. Like Scal always needs basketball. Like if if Grandy during that 35 minute, if he brought it anywhere other than basketball, Scal just didn't know how to respond. He was just like, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know about that. And Grandy was like, all right, man, like let's just keep this rolling. He kept bringing up cool topics. Um, there's I mean, cool, they, they basically did our podcast for us. I know. I was like, <laughs> we should just rip out audio and just call it a day. <laughs> but uh, how, how are you doing, man? We haven't uh, we haven't caught up in, I don't know, like a whole week, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's been a minute. So obviously we've been off here on the podcast, but, you know, Greg and I, Greg went back to Boston. I was out in El Paso for the holidays. Then we both recently got back within the last uh, last couple days. But it's been a good break, man. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. We do this show so often that. I feel like, you know, it actually sometimes feels like we see each other because we do this vir- show virtually, but it mm-hmm. does feel like you and I see each other in person all the time, which isn't always the case. And so, you know, not having this show and us being in separate locations, like I missed you a little bit, buddy. Like, I, I know, mean, man. like, like it, it, it fe- it's only been probably when do we record with Saruti? Maybe the 22nd, I think, or, or something, something like that. Yeah. So it's really only been about eight days, but it actually feels like I haven't seen you in, in probably about a month. <laughs> yeah, and for those of you that aren't too familiar with uh, Will and I's story, we've been friends since we were literally two years old. We're both 33 years old right now. And during Christmas time, that was always like in Dorchester, we'd get the homies together. Everybody would end up at my house at the end of the night. And things have changed in the last couple of years. So Will doesn't come through to 38 Pierce Ave anymore in uh, in Dorchester. And and now we we just see each other virtually for the pod. And then, I don't know, like... You know, with with the with the men's league, we see each other a little bit more. Yeah. And we get together to shoot around, but kicking it socially, you know, that only happens probably like once a month. Yeah, once, maybe twice a month if it's a good month. So, um, you know, it's 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 been a minute, man. But how's the family? I haven't had a chance to. This is this is us actually catching up, not for yeah. show. This is not performative. I have not actually <laughs> asked you how your family is and how it was being back home. I know you had some some travel issues, as I'm sure many of you listening to this podcast may have experienced during this holiday season. Yeah, I, anybody that was dealing with flight issues, I I feel for you. My plans got all messed up, as you heard in the last pod. I was supposed to be going to hang out with my girlfriend's family in. Virginia. 
Virginia. That whole life advice happen. segment right out the window. Hey, it, it actually worked <laughs> out for me because I didn't have to take anybody's advice. I just stayed <laughs> home. Uh, but I ended up staying in Boston the whole time. So I flew in on Christmas Day. So I got in at like three o'clock on Christmas Day. And it kind of felt like a, a holiday movie. Like when, when I arrived at home, like everyone was like, oh my God, Greg, you're here. And I was like, yeah, it's, I made it. And that's like, like so in the, that's like in the, that I was coming. Well, that's what I said. In the holiday movie, that's always kind of the foil if you really want to nitpick. Is like, why, why is everyone acting so surprised that the brother or the son mm-hmm. showed up? And, and hey, maybe maybe it's actually more true to form than we give it credit. It's like in your favorite movie, Love Actually, when uh, when Hugh Grant shows up at his house, and then <laughs> no, no, but no, not Hugh Grant. Who's the other no, guy that shows uh, up? Uncle Jamie. Uncle Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Hugh Grant shows up at his girlfriend's house, right? That's what it shows is. up at his girlfriend's house, and then his sister is actually it's it's like his sister's kids are in the play at the school. I so Danielle doesn't like Love Actually, man. So we don't. I know. I, I didn't watch it this year. I didn't watch it last year. I need to. You and I need to get together and watch. Some Love <laughs> yeah, How about yeah. that? <laughs> that that will become the new tradition. Uh, Lorena's big into it as well. So sorry, Danielle. There we may have go. to cut you out of that one. We'll, uh, we'll we'll get the we'll get our we'll get together for that next year to go ahead and, and get that going. But you know, while we were gone, man, and this was a big part of our holidays growing up. Like you mentioned, was getting together Christmas day and and watching the Celtics. We've been lucky enough that, you know, at least since basically the um, 2008 team, they're on basically every Christmas, Mm -hmm. you know, for the most part. And so usually we get together, watch that, or we just get together at your house, like you said, and watch some of the Christmas day basketball. So any takeaways, since we didn't have a chance to really talk about that, that you had doesn't have to even be Celtics related, but just, just Christmas basketball or, or anything we missed during the break. Um, I think that Bucks game, you know, Celtics ended up winning 139 to 118. When we were struggling in that little three-game skid at the beginning of the homestand, I mentioned how I thought we were going to win the Timberwolves game. Mm-hmm. And it really all, you know, all could be forgiven if the Celtics came out and just performed on the biggest stage. And I would feel a lot, a lot better about the team. I'm sure a lot of Celtics Nation felt a lot better about the team. And that's kind of what I took away from it was when the Celtics, when the bright lights are on, the Celtics are going to show up. Jason Tatum's always going to show up. And if you're looking at the Bucks as, you know, the premier competition in the Eastern Conference, the Celtics seem to have their number right now. Uh, just like the Warriors kind of have our number. It seems like the Celtics have mm-hmm. the Bucks number. We've always played Giannis well. We have the guys to throw at Giannis. Um, so, you know, that was kind of my biggest takeaway. Although they didn't have Middleton, who knows if Middleton's ever going to be healthy this season um, the Celtics just look like the better team and, and that's all we need to really worry about. You know, we just had a rough game against the Nuggets, but then the Eastern Conference, if it's going to come down to the Bucks and the Celtics, you got to feel good about that. Yeah, I think Christmas Day made a lot of people feel better and you, and you totally called that. You know, while we were, last time we were here, we were kind of panicking. We were actually in the middle of the Steve Cerruti interview when, uh, you know, I think it was like, oh, we were down 30 points or 30 plus points to the Pacers mm-hmm. at one point when it kind of seemed like, what's exactly going on here right the ship a little bit with the Timberwolves and then look amazing on Christmas Day and then kept that rolling through the homestand until tonight which you know we'll we'll get into that here in a little bit when we do a morning box score but I really do think that game was an emphatic statement especially when it's Christmas Day the marquee game everybody's watching everyone's looking to read into hey I heard Boston slipping a little bit and then you come out and have that type of performance I really think that settles a lot of things down you know so moving forward you're going to have that game as a crutch like well when it really matters here's what we need to point to and so I think that was really big for the Celtics to have that also coinciding with the return of Rob Williams and then just looking at their homestand I always love when the Celtics play the Clippers because once 
the Clippers put Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together. I would say this to you all the time. For better or worse, this is probably going to be you know a great team for the Celtics to look at as to either this is how we build around two elite two-way wings or this is how you don't do it and you go the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And the funny part about it is the Clippers have never had a chance to figure it out because of all the various health issues, the pandemic, whatever else. They really only had one kind of full season together, and it was really that bubble year where Pandemic P showed up, and it just all kind of fell apart. So the Celtics have actually surpassed them. So it's always funny to me when those two teams get together to look at, hey, these are probably when healthy, You know, going all the way back to our, our duos conversation. These might be the two best duos in the league when healthy, but the Clippers just have never had it. And so in a way, they've almost had to look to the Celtics to what's the best way to do this. So I love that matchup because mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's one that, as we'll talk about later in this podcast, we're going to look at what could be potentially some some finals matchups. That's one to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, during the 40 minute break that we got with Scally and Grandy, they basically took our podcast topics, like I said, <laughs> and, and it just threw it on air. So We'll rehash that, but anything else that stands out before we get into to the game tonight? Um, I guess just like the Clippers, if we're, you know, we talked about the Bucks as being the premier competition in the East. If you look at the Western Conference, the Clippers are definitely up there for a team you might see in the finals. The Nuggets, as we saw tonight, well, are an absolute let, let, let's juggernaut. Because I, I want to go through okay. the Western Conference a little okay, bit cool. here when we do that. So let's hop into the morning box score and then cool. we'll come back to that. So let's cue it up here. Uh, a much delayed morning box score. Denver Nuggets take down the Boston Celtics tonight, 123 to 111. For the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic just doing his thing. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists, zero turnovers. MPJ, 19 points. Aaron Gordon, 18 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Bruce Brown, 21 points as well. Shout out to our guy from Boston. For the Celtics, the Jays showed up. Jalen Brown, 30 points and eight rebounds. Jason Tatum, 25 points, seven rebounds, six assists. However, the Celtics only shoot 27% from three with nine made threes, while the Nuggets, on the other hand, go 56.7% from three with 17 made threes, really putting a big gap between these two that was hard to make up. Greg, tonight was a weird night. You throw in this, you know, 40-minute delay that we had to fix the rim after Rob Williams broke it. And the, the game just had a had a weird feel to it. And, and, and always, you know, even though the Celtics have done really well in Denver, Denver's always kind of an area that you can have, um, you know, it, it's set up to have a weird night with the altitude. You throw in New Year's, who knows, whatever, you know, might be a little bit of a hangover game. You know, guys are going to want to go out. Denver's a cool city. So, you know, is there something that we can really dig into to take away or be worried about? Or is it just it's just one of those games? I think it's a little bit of, you know, this being just one of those games, but also just looking at Jokic's stats historically against the Celtics. He averages three turnovers per game against the Celtics. So that one stat you threw out about him not having any turnovers speaks to the level of dominance that we saw on the court and kind of matches the eye test because it this was his best game he's had against the Celtics since uh, February 16, 2021, where he had 43 points, uh, six rebounds, five assists, and he did have three turnovers in that game, but he was mm-hmm. completely dominant in that matchup as well. Other than that, you know, 17 points, 23 points, 23 points, 29 points, but only eight eight rebounds, three assists in that last game we, we played against them um, back in November. So the thing that stood out to me tonight was just Jokic. From the very beginning of the game, we sent a double team at him. You know, we're kind of poking Hard. fun. 
emphasis yeah. on a hard double on that. And, and Jokic, Jokic just turned and he, he he literally like flung the ball to a wide open three pointer and put his hands out. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's how you're going to defend me. Like, don't you know I'm the best big man passer of all time? And it was just like such an easy play for him. And he literally shrugged his shoulders. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, that was it, it just stood out because it was so it, it was almost as if it was one of those moments late in the game where, you know, it, 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 Jokic is a tough guy because it just doesn't really make sense in most situations to do that. But you think of, you know, if you were playing the Nets and you did that to a Durant and there's no Kyrie maybe out there and you're just like, I don't care if, you know, if, if you don't want Nobby's going to beat us, he's going to beat us. Like, we're not letting Kevin Durant have it. But to do that to Jokic within the first minute or two of the game definitely was a was an odd way to to set the tone for the for the way the rest of the night yeah, and just uh, some other things that stood out to me just from the Nuggets uh, perspective, just because I was really impressed with them. I've been watching a lot of Denver Nuggets basketball. I, f- I feel like I understand that team uh, pretty well. Their offense is just unstoppable, man. Like when Jokic is playing like this, they get any shot they want. All of their guys, like they have all of the right guys around Jokic this year. Uh, Bruce Brown, as he, you know, he filled in for Jamal Murray tonight mm-hmm. and he was great. He's such a great cutter. He, he was money from three tonight, four for six from three. Uh, Michael Porter was on tonight. You know, I know that you're not too high on him, but when he's got it going, uh, he's really tough as well. And then my guy, Aaron Gordon, man, like I, I've always liked that. I've, I've always liked Aaron Gordon. And um, I just think he's he's kind of putting it all together right now. He's in his athletic prime. He's the strongest he's ever been. He's the you know he's the most polished he's ever been, and he's the smartest he's ever been on the court. Being a you know uh, you know late twenties, mid to late twenties mm-hmm. guy right now, he, he's completely in his body right now, and completely in uh, his fully formed status as an NBA player. And he's doing it as a sidekick to um, you know two time MVP Nikola Jokic. This is the perfect situation for Aaron Gordon. I always wished he ended up in Boston, but he wouldn't be the player that he is on the Nuggets if he was on the Celtics. He's in the perfect situation there. Yeah, Denver. I thought about that a little bit tonight of like who would Aaron because obviously there was, you know, a lot of ties to Aaron Gordon, at least in the rumor mill of, you know, before he went to Denver of Boston potentially being a destination. And m- my best guess is that he probably would have fit into, you know, that. They, they play differently, but he'd be in that Al Horford role-ish to a certain degree. And maybe we never make that trade, or maybe there's a different spot that they move they move Kemba to. But it is interesting to think of what the complexion of this team, would, how it would look differently. I mean, that's a that's some freaky athleticism if you have him and Rob Williams in, you know, in your front court um, to kind of go with. But yeah, Aaron Gordon yeah. was really good in this game. Aaron Gordon's been really good. We talked about with Saruti a little bit in the last podcast. I think he's in the perfect spot where, you know, in Orlando – he can do, you know, he can go above and beyond some nights, but in Orlando, they want, they needed him to do it more often than he should be called upon to do it. Where here, you're just playing off Jokic, which, you know, you, you mentioned Bruce Brown. I loved that signing. I loved him and KCP as signings yeah, I like for the KCP Nuggets a lot. Uh, in the offseason. That's one of the reasons that I picked them, or we both picked them, actually, I believe, to be the representative K- out of the West. Yeah, and KCP, uh, you know, he was dog poo-poo tonight. He didn't play yeah, well Yeah, he wasn't all. great tonight, but in, but in general, he's been great. He's been shooting the ball lights out uh, this season from, from beyond the arc. And like we talked about, you get so many good looks playing off Nikola Jokic 
But let's go over to the Celtics side for a little bit. You know, I mentioned JT and JB showed up tonight, 30 and 25, respectively. Uh, no one really had it going too much from the three-point line. Although, to give fair, Jalen Brown was four of eight. He was scorching hot to start the game. Uh, really coming out of that delay, that was really the hope that I was leaning on is, hey, maybe JB just makes this feel like it's the first quarter again. Comes back out, kind of tricks himself mentally into being the first quarter again and comes out scorching hot. Uh, but for the Celtics, you know, I think a guy that we need to talk about here is is Malcolm Brogdon who struggled a little bit over the last week to two weeks. I'd have to look at exactly what what it is, but you know, didn't really give you a ton tonight. Four points, four assists, one of six from the field. Um, but really, over that home stretch, had a little. It was struggling a little bit. He's under thirty percent during that stretch over the homestand. You know, anything long term to be worried about with Brogdon, or is this just a stretch that he's having right now? Um, I think it's just a stretch. He was so good at the beginning of the year. He's really been struggling. You know, that shot, It's he has an ugly shot. He has a weird form on it. So, like, when it goes in as frequently as it does, I'm always like, is there going to be some sort of regression to the mean But he's here? been that his whole career, and he's been a I good know. shooter, you know? It, yeah. it, it's almost like the – it's not quite as bad as Sean Marion, but, you know, it's the Sean Marion where it's like, how did this guy be a decent three-point shooter? But Brogdon's been not even just decent. He's been an above-average three-point shooter his whole career. Yeah, the thing that really, like, you know, when I when I think back to what got me so excited about Brogdon, especially in the preseason or early on in the season, was the pace that he was playing at. And just think think back to, like, close your eyes and imagine Malcolm Brogdon in the first couple weeks of the season. He was getting that thing, and he was pushing the ball. He was finding open shooters um, in transition, those cross-court uh, hit-ahead passes that he was doing. You know, that's kind of been a staple of the team. Uh, when, when they've been running now, he kind of, like, set the tone for that. But we haven't seen quite as much of Malcolm Brogdon like putting his identity on games lately. And for him to, you know, be the key cog of that second unit, we need to feel Malcolm Brogdon's presence. And, you know, I tweeted out at halftime like the five takeaways from the first half. And I number four was Brogdon just needs to do anything on the yeah. court. Cause in the first half, he was horrible. He was invisible. Um, if anything, he was a he was a net negative. In the second half, he had one bucket. Um, but he, I just like he, he got downhill a little bit more in the second half, and that was seemingly an, an emphasis across the team was to to get to the basket more in the second half. Yeah, but when Smart is playing, like he didn't play well tonight. When Smart and Brogdon, when two out of the three of of your guards just don't have a good game, it's going to be tough for the Celtics to win. I thought Smart did his Smart thing where he like forgot he was supposed to be the point guard of the team for a little bit and was taking just making bad decisions. Yeah. Um. Early in that game, Derek White was great again. Uh, you know, five for nine, two for five from three. Yeah. I thought his def- his defense was good, although Bone Bones Highland was just cooking us the entire game. <laughs> you know, Bones, uh, I thought White was good. Uh. Shout out to you Nuggets fans that go through the roller coaster ride that is Bones Highland. I thought we've had some roller coasters with Marcus. That tonight, Bones was I mean, he 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 was spectacular and then had like four or five plays where it was like, what is this guy doing? What is this guy thinking? But you know, he, Yeah, like what as you watch Bones Highland, what go like what player comps in today's game or in previous generations do you see? Because like the, to me, there's like a little bit of Jordan Poole when he threw mm-hmm. that ridiculous pass out of bounds. I was like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember like Greg Popovich shaking his head at Manu doing some crazy stuff whenever Manu would just like go off the rails and Pop would just go crazy. Is there anybody else that Bones rem- uh, reminds you of? I don't know if there is a specific comp, but he's just he he's that type of swing guy that 
he he takes your team one way or the other, right? Like when he's in there, either your team is electric and he's putting you over the top or he's even giving you, man, we're, we're just dead tonight. We don't have that energy. And all of a sudden bones comes in and kicks it into high gear, or he's the guy that comes in and throws your team completely out of whack. You guys are turning the ball over. You're looking like the Washington generals. And so I, I don't know if I have a, a, I'd have to think more about a specific comp to that, but he fits very much to me kind of the, you know, the, energizer bunny six man off the bench type guy that can go ahead and get you buckets quickly when you need it at different stretches i think he really fits that player archetype but i don't know if i have any direct comparisons that i'm that i'm thinking of the top of my head did you have one that you were th- i mean you know you mentioned the jordan pool on that pass but anyone else that that was jumping out to you yeah just that manu you know manu is the other guy um but jordan Poole, i mean so many of these young guards like have such a similar bag you know what I mean? Like he moves like a lot of young players move these mm-hmm. days. It's just like the the generation of skill, you know, skill development. A lot of these guys just look the same. Like he looks, he moves very similar to Poole and moves similar to Maxi. Maxi yep. was the guy I was thinking of. As yeah, well. like yeah. all these guys that just like play very similarly because of all the skills trainers that are out there studying mm-hmm. the game. Um, but let's get back to the Celtics here. Uh, so we talked a little bit about uh, Brogdon, Smart, and White. Anything else about those three guys you want to touch on? Not necessarily those three guys, but I do think, you know, as we look at it in, you know, I don't want to say struggles. This is, this is one game, and it seems like this kind of turned around from those struggles at the beginning of the homestand. But part of that was just the second unit has not been as dominant as it was early on in the season. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is tied to Brogdon. Some of that's tied to, you know, Sam Hauser. He, you know, he, he played okay tonight, got, you know, knocked down one of his two three-point shots, but he hasn't been the same guy that that he was where it was just lights out, no question. And so I think that second unit coming back down to earth has leveled out a little bit but you are getting now that infusion of of rob williams and i think you know his progression is something that we're going to continue to track we were talking a little bit and this is something that i had felt you know since he's come back i don't care if he starts or not i i honestly it's not that big of a of a deal to me unless you're you're getting put into a deep hole which celtics haven't been so uh, that that question to me has always been pretty irrelevant i care more about who's going to close the game when everyone's healthy and what the matchup is but Having said that, the starting lineup from last year, Marcus Smart, the Jays, Al Horford, and Rob Williams was by far the best net rating lineup in the league last year. And I feel like we've only seen it for really small stretches since Rob has come back. And if you don't want to start it, that's fine. If you're if you think you're, you know, if you're Joe Mazzulla and you're and you're cool with what you've been doing with the starting lineup, you're, you know, off the you're still in first place in the in the NBA right now, no problem. Keep rolling with that. But you have to get get some reps with that unit. And that's the one thing I think's probably bothered me a little bit since Rob has come back is that that unit hasn't had time to kind of get their, you know, get their cohesion back together after it was so good for so much of last year during that turnaround. Yeah, I definitely want to see a little bit more of that lineup for sure. I just I wonder if the thinking is we know that that lineup plays well together and like we need to figure out other combinations mm-hmm. right now to see what works otherwise because we know that we can always go back to that. But I, I hear you that we definitely need to see more of that. You're right. I don't think we saw that lineup maybe for a couple of minutes tonight. I don't even know if like, I don't, I don't even know. I'd have to check for tonight. I know I, think I it saw was like it a briefly. two minute stretch tonight. Yeah. Like, it, 
it came a little bit in the Clippers game. I was like, oh, hey, finally, we're getting to see that lineup. It was only about a two, three-minute stretch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tonight felt like this would have been a night. to. And, and we saw this in the second half when they came back out with Grant Williams instead of Derek White and that in the lineup to go double bigs. So it, it was interesting. That's, that's something I think I want to keep an eye on here, you know, moving forward. But overall, I, I have a hard time getting too upset about this game. You're on the road, a team that is probably a little pissed off that they've lost six straight to you. Yeah. They have Jokic playing at an insane level. You know, we're we're going to talk more about the MVP uh probably later in in the week as we play Luka Doncic in a couple days here. Uh we're going to have a we're going to go deep into him versus Tatum in our next podcast. Uh and you're so, you know, you're going into Back-to-back MVP, Nikola Jokic's house. The Nuggets are a really good basketball team. As we talked about, they're in first place in the West. They also wanted to make a statement in this game. And, you know, part of it, and I hate saying this because it's, it's, you can't really define it. They wanted this game a little bit more. The Celtics were a little bit in a bit of a malaise, if you will, for throughout different parts of this game. Mm-hmm. But then ultimately, when, they, when you hit 56%, almost 57% from three, there's very few games you're going to lose in the NBA. Yeah, and you know, with Tatum, I think if if Tatum's not playing at the MVP level in a game like this where the defense can't get any stops, it's going to have a tough time winning. Like he still had a good stat line. Uh, he's twenty five, seven, six, two steals. He did have five turnovers, and those turnovers often led to him kind of you know moaning at the referees, hands in the air, and just doing the Tatum stuff that we don't like to see with the bad body language. But you know, when Tatum's 11 for 14 from the free throw line, you're expecting yeah. him to have like over 40 points in that game. And he just didn't. Like he couldn't really get 30, it going. Yeah. yeah, didn't even have 30. He was 0 for 4 from 3. Never really had a rhythm. Seems, seemed a little checked out throughout the game. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, went maybe, out. Maybe enjoyed a little bit of, you know, cannabis is big in Denver. <laughs> maybe, maybe went maybe, out. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But it, just think back to the first play of the game where um, he, he was down in the post he faked like he was going back door. Marcus threw it back door, and Tatum was going back out for off a little pin down. So there was a little, little miscommunication from the very beginning of the game, and that sort of set the tone. Sometimes that happens with Tatum, where he's just like a little bit off for whatever reason. That happened tonight in a game where we really needed him if we wanted to have a chance. Um, but to finish up that conversation on the the starting five or the best five, the the lineup from la- last year, I think that you know moving forward. If Missoula can look for more games in which we go to that lineup in specific situations, maybe it's to begin a game, maybe it's to begin a half, maybe it's to finish a game. Let's just throw that lineup out there a little bit more. See if see if that can get the defense going. If there's a game like this in which the defense just isn't playing up to its standard. Um, I, I really hope that Missoula does lean on that lineup a little bit more moving forward. Yeah, I think that's something that we'll we'll keep an eye on here as the Celtics will uh, continue this road trip with a game Tuesday night in Oklahoma City and then on to Dallas and then on to San Antonio where hopefully Greg and I will actually be in person to check that out and give you guys a full report. But, you know, when the top two teams in each conference get together, it makes you start thinking a little bit down the road of, of what we could be watching here. So we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we're talking a little bit about, you know, could this be an NBA Finals preview that we just watched tonight? And we're back. All right. So 
Greg, we talked. We know kind of how we feel about the Celtics, right? You even touched on it briefly when we were going through that Christmas Day game. We know that it, it kind of feels like Celtics and Bucks, and you know, we'll talk about this a little bit here. The Nets are, are creeping in, not even creeping in, they're scorching in to that conversation, and we'll touch on that in a second. But you know, where we're coming off this game with the Nuggets here, who go to twenty-four and twelve, currently the one seed in the West, and. The West to me, and Grandy got into this a lot because he had a lot of free time during this game, is that there's probably about six or seven teams that really feel like they have a chance to come out of the West. So I'm going to go through just the top about 11 teams or so here in the West <laughs> real quick. Just This is going to be real quick and just contender or pretender. I'm just going to name the team. You tell me your thought on it, and then we'll go from there, okay? Am, am I just giving you one word? Just give me one word, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll talk about them. So Denver Nuggets. Contender. Memphis Grizzlies. Pretender. New Orleans Pelicans. Contender. Dallas Mavericks. Pretender. LA Clippers. Contender. Sacramento Kings. Pretender. Phoenix Suns. Pretender. Portland Trailblazers. Pretender. Golden State Warriors. Contender. Utah Jazz. <laughs> yeah, we're getting, we're getting laughable here, right? Okay, okay. We, 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 we can stop it there. Okay, so so basically the teams that, that you think are real real contenders to come out here. If I'm recapping correctly here were the Nuggets, mm-hmm. the Pelicans, mm-hmm. the Clippers. Yep. And I believe the Warriors was the only other one that that you had that you seriously mm-hmm. considered. Okay. So, you know, Grandy was saying that he thinks that there's six. So the one there's one big team there that I'm very surprised that you don't feel is a contender, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about that. I hate Dylan Brooks. Um, I mean, I, yeah, me, I mean, that, duh. <laughs> no, but I, I think that position, if they want to win a championship and they want to get out of the West, they need to upgrade that position. I, I think Dalen Brooks is bad. Um, I think he hurts them with his shot selections. Awful. I know he brings a lot on the defensive end. He kind of like helps set the tone on the defensive end, but I think they could probably find somebody else out there that is an upgrade at that position, especially, you know, if Ja. So like, think back to the playoffs last year, right? Going up against the Timberwolves. When the Timberwolves have all these long guys that can throw at jaw, he was kind of struggling to get shots off against guys like Jaden McDaniels and so on and so forth. He, he, you know, he, he still had he still had his impact on the series, but there was a lot on jaw. It was pretty much if jaw doesn't do it, like maybe Desmond Bain can get hot, but mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a scorer. Steven Adams is not a scorer. So it really comes down to John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks. Those are like the three guys that they're relying on to create in the half court. And Dylan Brooks just can't be that guy that you're relying on. So that's why I'm I I know that they're good, but ultimately at the end of the day, if you're asking me to draw a line in the sand, I'm gonna say contender solely because I don't believe in Dylan Brooks. And that's fair. And you know, I was thinking about this earlier today and that is the one area that, in, in, you know, Case, KOC and uh, Chris Vern on the mismatch were talking about this the other day, where KOC was making the case like, you know what, I would overpay to go upgrade that right now because that's like okay. basically what you're missing, right? Yeah. So if for some reason the Raptors do put a guy like OG Ananobi, he was saying go go give them an extra draft pick if that's going to get it done. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry saying about trade the draft Brooks. Compatible. Well, Brooks would be in there for the for contract purposes, but then you'd have yeah. to give up. You know, they, they've got a couple of young guys you may have to part with, like a Zaire Williams and you mm-hmm. know a couple of draft picks or. or whatever it might be you know but that it's worth doing it if you're going to end up with a lineup that gives you John Morant, Desmond Bain, OG and and Jaron Jackson as your main four and then figure out if it's Brandon Clark or maybe Steven Adams depending on the matchup like Mm -hmm. that's a that's a really really nice rotation but but think but think about that right like going from a Dylan Brooks to an OG Ananobi is such an upgrade yeah like like 
I think Grizzlies fans, maybe they've convinced themselves that Dylan Brooks is like on that level of an OG Ananobi. I know when we talk with our boy Wilkie, he's a, he back in the day, he was mm-hmm. just like, no, I don't like Dylan Brooks either. And he's a big time <laughs> Grizzlies fan. Um, Brooks has had some big moments in the playoffs, you know, guarded Steph well in that um, playing game a couple of years ago. But I think, yeah, I, I mean, if KOC is saying it, then... Well, well know, here's my, the thing, though, because because I, I agree with you, but mm-hmm. I think when you look at all of these teams, they're flawed. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. the part about the West, that there's a bunch of good teams and there's no great team. And so, you know, you look at the Nuggets, you know, typically their non-Jokic minutes kill them. Did not happen tonight. That was not the case tonight. But mm-hmm. typically those minutes are kind of a disaster. And then you're, you know, Jamal Murray didn't play tonight. You know, I, you mentioned I'm not a big Michael Porter Jr. guy, but he was great in his role tonight you know but there's going to be a time where maybe you need him to do more and i don't know how i feel about that jamal murray is he going to be healthy there's those questions the pelicans you always have the zion question of his health and he's never been to the playoffs that's my biggest thing probably with the pelicans is you typically have to go through and they got in last year and got experience except for you know they're only their most important player wasn't there who has mm-hmm. zero playoff experience mavericks yeah. it's it's basically all luka clippers we know the Kawhi paul george story and then you look at you know suns you can throw in there i, I think it potentially but paul as you predicted is getting old booker's injury are they ever going to turn that jay crowder spot just into something because they need more mm-hmm. they need to turn that into something and then you look at the warriors and obviously they have to you know hold off uh, or hold on for a little bit with the Steph Curry injury. And I thought they were going to be dead in the water after they got just whooped in their visit to New York. Lost by, I think, a combined 70 points in two games. Yeah. And they've, they've bounced back since Four then. Four-game winning streak right now. Yeah, so if, they, so if they can hold that together and then they, they still have the pieces, you know, it's just that's the main reason I wouldn't write out Memphis is that I just think each of these teams has a distinct flaw that Dylan Brooks, what even though I'm with you that I don't love him, I don't think... He might kill them in a series, but I think the other each of the other opponents they might face would have some type of similar level of flaw that could kill them as well. Yeah, I'm just big on the Nuggets right now. Um, I, as I said, I've been watching a lot of Nuggets basketball. I don't see anybody in the West outside of I think the Warriors just the pedigree, but I'm not really sure in a matchup with with the Nuggets how that's going to look right now if they're healthy. Um, if, if they're, yeah, are you saying if the Warriors are healthy? Well, both. I mean, both really, because, right, because they matched up last year when it was just Jokic and Aaron Gordon uh-huh. when there was yep. no MPJ and Jamal Murray, and that wasn't even much of a series. Like, the, yeah, there was just sure. nothing that could happen. And so, you know, but I'm with you when it comes to the Nuggets. We both picked them. We both picked them, I believe, beginning of the so. season yeah. to, to, go to, um, to go to the finals out of the West. The Nuggets... You know, with Jamal Murray, with Michael Porter Jr., and we both talked about, I love the Bruce Brown and KCP additions. And so then you good. get Bones Highland that can ease. He's a guy that, yeah, I think there's going to be certain playoff games. Like, he doesn't have it tonight. He's playing 10 minutes. You know, this, this, you got to have a, a quick, you know, a quick trigger some nights so he can't let the game get too out of control. But there's going to be other nights where you play him for 30 minutes or a 10 minute stretch where he does something like he did tonight in that third, fourth quarter range where, hey, that wins you a ball game in the playoffs. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about Tatum versus Luca on the Wednesday pod. Um, but how do you feel about the Mavericks in general? You 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 buying into the heliocentrism of Luka Doncic, like getting them to an NBA Finals? For me, I just don't see it. Yeah, I just it's it's too. I mean, when you look at you know teams that make it to the finals. You you need a second guy. You need a even a third guy sometimes. And when Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood are your next two best players, maybe a splash at Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, you know, these teams are flawed, but they're still really good. 
and they're going to have more for them to get through three full series. Luca Magic is one thing, and it's been unfreaking believable over the last you know week or two, which we're going to talk you know in depth about in our next podcast. But I just don't think it's enough. I, I it really feels a lot like this version of Luca is LeBron with the Cavs first time around, mm-hmm. right? Where he's just yeah. fighting an uphill battle with Eric Snow and Booby Gibson and Big Sasha Z. Pavlovic and Big Z, and you know the last years of Big Z before Bear he gets out of the league. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it, it's just rough. And so for that, I think they can get through a round, maybe two, just because Luca's that good, but. To get all the way to the finals, they're going to run out of gas. He specifically is probably going to run out of gas. And I think these other teams are are good enough that there's no way that he could be able to get through a couple of these different teams just to even get to the finals. Yeah. So I, I know you briefly touched on it. You're you're out on the Suns, right? There's no. I don't see any way the Suns make it to the championship. The way that Paul's been playing this year. You can't rely on him in the playoffs with his injury history. Booker is going to be out another like three weeks. Aiton completely no showed in the, in a game the yeah. other night in which they desperately need him to step up. Like if Deandre Ayton was ever going to earn his money, I know he's already gotten paid, but if he was ever going to like live up to the, into something more into being yeah, that be right star type guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm not fully out. I mean, it's kind of similar to the warriors in a way that let's see where they're at, but what, what can they do in these next three to four weeks without Booker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're still within shouting distance. And then, like I said, they got to turn that Jay Crowder spot into something. They just got to make it something they need. They need more. And I know that, you know, at some point a trade might be coming, but it, it has to happen at some point. So I'm not ready to write them off yet. I wouldn't bet on them. They would be at the bottom of this list of teams that I think could actually make it out of the West, but I would give them honestly more of a chance than the Mavericks. If everything gets to, you know, it, it, once, they get uh, Devin Booker back if they if and when they make that move. Mm-hmm. I would still like their collection better than the Mavericks collection, even though they have the best player, obviously, in Luka Doncic. Unless they're playing each other, because the, the, <laughs> the Mavs own the Suns. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But yeah, but so going back to the Nuggets. So, you know, we look at the Celtics and Nuggets tonight, and the East to me, we've been saying for a while, Celtics and Bucks. But really, if you look at the Bucks, man, that Chris Middleton problem is is getting it's a real you know, problem yeah it's getting the spotlight on that is growing larger and larger by the day because without him it's just a lot more of an, a level playing field amongst those teams the nets the Cavs, the sixers really those five teams that i think are the ones that have a chance to come out of the east and i think the celtics are in somewhat of a tier by themselves the bucks with a healthy milton i would put them there as those are the two teams that i would look at the other teams, I think, have just enough flaws, kind of similar to the Dylan Brooks problem in Memphis and Cleveland. I, I don't know what to do with that swing spot. That that I see the Osman and you know Isaac Okoro and Dean Wade. It's it's just not going to be Dean enough. Wade? Is that Dean Wade? Like that's just not going to be enough to get you through Philadelphia. I think they've kind of found my biggest thing with Philadelphia going into the season. The Anthony Melton, great pickup. He's been playing yeah. really really good basketball. Awesome. Is Doc Rivers going to have the cojones not to play either Harden or Maxi late in the game because Melton's better for their overall complexion of their team? And is Harden going to show up? Like, those are two massive questions. Then you throw in, is Embiid going to stay healthy? Embiid will play, but is he going to be at full strength? Mm-hmm. So that leaves a lot of questions with the Sixers. And then what do you make of this Nets resurgence? Is it, you know, I, I think the Celtics match up so well with them that it hasn't really registered with me as too much of a threat from the Celtics perspective, but what the Nets have been doing is really impressive over, you know, over the last, what is it? Last 
11 game win streak they're on right now 11 games that's yeah. crazy i'm looking at that 11 game win streak right now the I think last there's a couple of couple of soft games in there but yeah still. their last loss was actually against the celtics yeah so that celtics game was their last loss so they beat the the hornets the hawks the pacers the wizards the raptors the pistons the warriors the bucks the Cavs, the hawks the hornets right so the games that really stand out to you there, beating the Bucks, um, that was in Brooklyn, but 118-100, and then going to Cleveland on that, um, that wasn't a back-to-back, but it was a day after Christmas. They mm-hmm. beat them 125-117. I watched that game. Uh, man, Kyrie's looking good, man. If, he hit if that Kyrie- buzzer beater against the Raptors in that mix as well. Yeah, yeah, Kyrie's looking really good. It's just like if you're relying on Kyrie to be great for a full 82 and then the playoffs as well, that's really what it comes down to. We all know he's talented enough. He's had some huge moments in the playoffs before he had us believing in Boston for a little bit that he was going to lead us to banner 18. It just didn't happen. So, you know, I, with KD playing at an MVP level and Kyrie being fully bought in, Jack Vaughn seems to have, you know, unlocked something in that, in that defense. I, they're a problem. They're a problem. But as you said, it's all about matchups in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and the Celtics seem to have their number just like we have the Bucks number. Um, when is the next time we play the Nets? That, that's uh, it's in a couple of weeks. It's in, it's in about a week or two, I believe, that they, January they 12th. come to the Garden. January yeah, 12th. So I knew it was soon here. So that's going to be a huge matchup. So we're going to Brooklyn like. for that game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That'll, be, that'll be a fun one to kind of track as to see where we're at. And yeah, for me, when it looks at the East, I need to see what what Chris Middleton, what ends up happening at that situation. To me, that's a lot of where the East kind of hinges on right now. And there's a few moves that can be made. Like I said, the Cavs upgrade that swing spot. I think they could be, you know, I think they're probably a year away of just seeing Evan Mobley continue to develop. And that will probably propel them depending on what his trajectory is. But I do think they could make a move there. But looking at Celtics Nuggets here, so we can put a put a bow on this segment. You know, if this hypothetically ended up being a finals matchup, up until tonight, Celtics had won the last six in a row against the Nuggets, both home and away. So they've been able to beat them on the road and at home. You know, how would you feel? And now this is an upgraded Nuggets team, like we talked about, you know, Definitely. even with no Jamal Murray tonight. How would you feel about this in a matchup from the Celtics perspective? Nuggets need a rim protector. You, you saw what the, the Celtics were able to do in the second half. They got a layup literally anytime they wanted just because the Nuggets cannot protect the paint, cannot protect the rim. We've had this conversation about Jokic before, but he he's not a rim protector. He's not a rim deterrent. They don't have any rim deterrents on their team. If you want to call DeAndre Jordan that, go ahead, but he's not. So I think they need to, to upgrade at that rim protection spot for me to take them too seriously in a seven-game series. You know, obviously, they're going to win a couple games based on their offense and the problem that Jokic causes. But at the end of the day, the Celtics, we know, can be the best defensive team in basketball. We've seen it. We've never seen the Nuggets even be a good defensive team. So I think that's really what it comes down to. I don't I haven't looked at the, you know, the net ratings or the defensive ratings. So I was, for the I was, Nuggets I was right actually now. I pulled this up that here because this is something got you, dog. Shout out to Tony Reale. because uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I harped on a lot last year, right? Is that the majority of NBA finals teams are going to be top ten in both offensive and defensive ratings. Never mind just the net rating, but top ten in offense and defensive rating. There's a few anomalies in there, mostly LeBron James teams and last year's Warriors team actually was an exception but you think about that they didn't have their full team together offensively until the playoffs and then they were great offensively in the playoffs once they got that whole group together so you look at the Nuggets and Celtics and Nuggets going into tonight 1-2 offensive rating wise defensively the Nuggets are 24th in the league in defensive rating yeah 
that just does not scream NBA Finals, never mind NBA Finals champion. And so that's what makes it kind of hard. Like, once again, everyone in the West, a lot, lot of good teams, a lot of flaws. A lot of flaws on all those teams. And so that's what it makes it a little bit tough going into tonight. Celtics, just for those of you keeping track here, Celtics were first in offensive rating going into the game and seventh. Maybe that changes a little bit with the performance tonight, but it's not going to drop them, I don't think, out of the top 10 or anything. So they're going to fit that mold of what a championship team looks like. And funny enough, Greg, I was looking at to see who does fit that mold in the East. There were three teams that are top 10 in offensive rating and top 10 in defensive rating. I gave you the Celtics. Can you name those other two teams? uh sixers wrong and, wrong wrong oh man uh calves wrong but close i believe they're i think they're 11th in offensive rating so they just miss it because they're second okay. in uh or not second but they're they're first in defensive rating actually i probably should have guessed the bucks that's actually wrong as well so oh the bucks gosh. are third in defensive rating and then for offense they were let me see they were down here a little bit they were 22nd offensively which is a little surprising sheesh is it the Pacers? It's not. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna be here for a minute. So one is the team that we just talked about, which was the Brooklyn Nets. So the Brooklyn okay. Nets fall in there as well. They were let me see here. Brooklyn's fifth in offense and tenth uh, in defense. So that's okay. actually pretty surprising. But testament to Kevin Durant, who's been actually been, been doing work on both ends of the court. Mm. But then this is the team that really surprised me here, man. They are ninth in defensive rating, and then they come in at number ten in offensive rating. The New York Knicks. Hey. Right? Little little surprising there. The 19 and 18 New York Knicks fit into that mold of top 10 offense, te- top 10 defensive rating. So something to think about there. But yeah, when it comes to the Nuggets, that is going to be the big concern. I think in a playoff series, the Celtics would be able to wear them down. And the Celtics, if we're just being real about it, still got some good looks like they shouldn't hit them. I mean, the, some, of the, some of the shots they missed in the first half felt like there was legitimately a draft in the arena. Like they were, yeah, the so Brogdon three. Oh my gosh, Brogdon, Brogdon three, three. Someone yeah. else had a, had, it had like a three glitched. that was way off too. Yeah, it, it didn't even make sense how much they missed some of those shots early on by. So I, I do think if the Celtics end up in the finals again, in the Nuggets were the matchup. I unless the Nuggets make another move here, which absolutely they could do, I, I would like the Celtics' chances and what would probably be. I'd call it a six-game series. Same. Agreed. All right. Well, let's go on from that here. We're going to be back later on in the week as we set y'all up for the Celtics and Mavericks matchup on Thursday night. We're going to go deep into Luka versus Tatum, break that all down for you. We will have that for you later in the week. But as we do, new year, same gimmick. Let's do a vibe check. All right, Greg, new year, new vibe check. I'm going to give you the floor. What you got for us? I'm vibing with live recorded podcasts, Will. I know we're doing this on StreamYard. I know this has worked out for us, but I did a two and a half hour podcast with my cousin Stevie Moy from Married at First Sight. And it, it, I think it's going to be more video than podcast, but you know, we recorded it. He had the whole setup. We have the hookup at Dawa Studios here in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas. I know we are we already got the okay with that. I think it's time that you and I go into a live recorded session, see what it's like, feel it out. It's different, but it's a lot of fun. 
And I, I think I think we would actually really enjoy it. Maybe we can get a guest to do it. Maybe we can call in some favors, get a, a heavy hitter to come in for an interview. But I think we need to go to a live recording. So tell me a little bit more about what you're defining as as live recording. So is so I knew that y'all had done something. I didn't know exactly what it was. Like, is this already available for people to go listen to, or when is it coming out? What what is the setup exactly that that y'all that y'all did? So we we had a video going along with microphones plugged into his um you know his audio system. So everything was recorded at the same time. The video and the audio in the same room. So like kind of gives it more of a feel like the um, Josiah Johnson Gilbert Arenas podcast yeah. where everybody's in the same which, room. Which by the way, on a uh, I'm trying to think of I can't remember the name of the of of his podcast right now that he has with uh, no Dragonfly Joe. Jones. No, no, he has that with Gilbert Arenas. But there's one that he has with uh, Dragonfly Jones, and I think his name is Zach Schwartz. And they had uh, Grant Williams on it. Um, oh, yeah, and it was, it was it was it was a really good interview. But yeah, sorry, so, I mean, to yeah, so, I know so more more along the lines of that those types of interviews. So just like the the in the room energy you know you and i obviously there we in society we've been on zooms and everything for so long there's its own energy within a you know a, a video conference now that has its own vibe but in a studio live recording it was just really fun to just hang out with my cousin and it's uh a little bit a little bit intimidating at first because you <laughs> almost feel like you're in an interview versus just a conversation just because it's something I've never really done before, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I think we should try it out and yeah. we, we, we had, we have the go ahead from Dava Studios, So I think, I think we should try it out sometime in the new year. Yeah, let's definitely do that, man. I think that would be a lot of fun if we can find a way to to get a guest. A little different, obviously, with us being in Austin, having to find somebody that's, you know, in the area or is going to be somewhere near the area that we can make that work. But I do think that would be that'd be really fun. Did uh did you get the did you get all the inside scoop about Married at First Sight and Steve's view? I know our guys got a new book out, so yes. you know. Also, let us know where we're going to be able to find this because I got I got to tune in and watch this myself. So I I don't know when Steve's going to release it. What he's doing right now is just uh, so with his book that's coming out. Which if you if you follow Married at First Sight and you know Steve, um, you saw him post his his book title, his book jacket. That is going to change. We we had official conversation about it. So the little inside scoop about that, he had done like headshot photos mm-hmm. that weren't specifically for the book. And he just found his favorite headshot that he thought might like. That was his favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So that was his favorite. You know, we all see, you know, it's like when you, when you see yourself from a different angle, Will, and you're like, wait, that's what I look like. You know, like (laughs) the way you perceive yourself is the way is different from how other people perceive you. Right. So Steve, when he, for whatever reason, he really liked that picture. We talked about it. He recognizes that maybe that's not the picture to go with. He's probably going to do like a real photo shoot designed specifically for that. Um, but in that conversation, we had a fun, like, I think his book tentatively is titled like Dedication, Life, Love, and Following Your Dreams or something like that. So we kind of riffed on based on that picture, what should the title be? Um, so I know that in the video, he's going to ask for people to to leave comments like what would they title this book based on the picture that 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 he put on it so it was a fun time um he he was a little bit upset because at the end of the recording um he found out that his ex-wife noi was going to be going on the kickoff show for this season of married at first sight and she was talking smack doing what noi does just i don't know why she thinks saying all this bad stuff about my cousin which you know i mean 
in my opinion, is not true. I think she's exaggerating a lot of the things and her timeline on stuff based on my conversations with Stevie throughout the whole ordeal. Um, I, th- I think she's just off and she's, I think she's convinced herself that there's a narrative out there that exists that doesn't actually exist. Hey, but- Greg, you know what? If you believe it, it's not a lie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe she's a big Costanza fan. Who knows? So I, I just think he was a little bit in a bad spot when I was leaving there. But at the end of the day, he was just like, you know what? I know me. I had a good time in the show. I learned a lot from my experiences with Noi. And I'm just going to you know, keep it, keep it all love moving forward. And hopefully she can figure out a way for herself to heal and move on from the process. Hey, shout out to our guy, Stevie Moy. Go follow him on uh, on all of his socials to keep up with the Married at First Sight drama, which seemingly never ends. So good times being uh, you know on the sidelines associated with this. It's been, been fun to watch from my perspective. But uh, for my vibe check, so with the new year comes a new trip around the sun here, Greg. I'm not vibing with getting old, man. Feeling old <laughs> these days. So last night, so we're recording this on New Year's Day. Uh, last year got together, or last night got together with, definitely uh, was last year, but last night got together with a few friends for, for New Year's Eve. One of our good friends who had been, uh, who was living here in Austin, our friend Bridget, uh, she left, moved back to St. Louis after she had a kid. Uh, and then they were back last night, early back last couple, uh, last couple of days. So I spent it hanging out with them. And it was really cool because I haven't seen her daughter Laramie since she was one. And she's now six, which is like that's crazy. mind blowing. She's like a real human being. We had like actual conversations, but <laughs> I felt really old in the way that, you know, it was a reintroduction to her daughter. And so at one point she pulled up a picture of me holding Laramie when she was like, I don't know, three weeks old. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, see, he knew you when you were this small. It just made me think of all the old dusty ass people my parents knew, like at, from like St. Anne's Church that would always come like, I remember you when you were this small. And I was like, oh man, these people are all weird and old. And, yeah. you know, and like, then I was just like, oh my God, we're Smell getting like to that. St- yeah, we're getting to that stage in our life where now it's like, w- whatever happened last night, she's gonna be like, oh yeah, that guy quote unquote uncle will who's just w- that old that w- random mm-hmm. dude that we met you know that one new year's eve when we were in austin and it's just like man we're getting old to the point now that like some of the, the interactions that i think about or think back to with my parents it's like that's that's kind of the interactions that we're having now with our friends and their kids and you know mm-hmm. probably with you and your family and some of your cousins and stuff like that like and yeah it's just it's just a hard dose of reality man getting getting older getting older yeah. So let me go back to that first thing that you were saying about um, just like hanging out with friends and Bridget being in town and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I last night didn't even make it until like 1030. So Danielle, it's speaking of getting old and getting washed. Danielle got in from her trip, I think around nine. So I picked her up at the airport at nine. So I knew we weren't going to make it out, but we put on that new movie, Glass Onion. I don't know if you've watched Oh, I've been Glass dying Onion. to watch. I've been it's waiting good. for – I'm going to the airport right after this podcast, so hopefully tomorrow night I'll be watching Okay, it. good, great flick. But I fell asleep like five different times during that movie, and then there were like fireworks going off in my neighborhood. Um, was able to time a few farts with the fireworks, which I was very <laughs> proud of. And like the fireworks kept waking me up. They were like mm-hmm. literally right outside my door. So like at midnight when like the the grand finale is going off in my street, we just like realize it's it's New Year's. We look at each other like, oh, happy New Year's and like, you know, New Year's kiss and all that. And I was just like, man, like 
is this what New Year's moving forward is going to be for me? Like, as I move into a domesticated life, I'm just going to be sitting at home, which I'm cool with. Like, I don't need to to go out and party. Um, I don't want to get a DUI. Like, don't want to pay for exorbitant Uber fees and all that stuff. So, like, I was cool hanging at home. It just worked out that Danielle had, like, gotten in late, so it wasn't going to happen anyway. But I feel you on getting old. The other thing, dude, your impression of the people in Dorchester that used to come up to us and say things like mm-hmm. that, like, spot on. Like, I, like <laughs> I, I remember you walking around in your diapers, and I used to see you playing with your Ninja Turtles all the time. Like. <laughs> I, th- I always think of this. So for this must have been briefly when we went to St. Anne's Catholic school and I, and we, I think we did like the nativity play or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was Joseph one of the years. So constantly <laughs> I would get my mother and my grandmother's friends. I remember when you were Joseph in this, in the nativity play. And I was like, lady, I have no idea who you are. You are scaring me. I will say anything to abort this conversation. So that sounds great. And I like, I would just be, I would, it, it would always put me on edge as like, I want to go nowhere near the church. Cause I know I'm going to have to deal with this interaction from like five, strangers that mean absolutely nothing to me <laughs> it's like in uh in billy madison when the lunch lady's giving them the sloppy joes he goes lady you're scaring us like, yeah that was exactly, exactly actually what, what i was yeah. thinking of in my head as i was going through that but yeah man we're getting old it's 2023 it's a new year man happy new year to you brother happy new it's good year, to brother. see you man Happy New Year to everyone listening out there. We really appreciate y'all following along with us in our journey from before Celtics blog to now being part of the Celtics blog family here. So we always appreciate that. Make sure with the new year that you are following us on all of our social medias at Green Envy Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. We actually just put up a behind the scenes conversation that we had with Steve Cerruti prior to filming the or not filming, but recording the interview that we did with him last week. So we're going to always have some new extra material going up on our YouTube page. So make sure to follow that. Like Greg said, we're going to work on maybe doing some more uh, recording here, having some more uh, visuals that go along with the podcast. So make sure you're following us as a show individually you can find your boy here at willbond 13 and then you can find my guy greg manakis here at mini minnow on twitter at manakis music on instagram get his basketball takes and his band black sheep optimists which what are we going to hear on the way out today greg new year new song or what what are we feeling tonight um i think we're going to keep it simple for this one i the the songs that we've been working on i know they've been in the in the engineers hands uh getting a couple updated mixes so hopefully we'll have some new material to put at the end of the pod here soon um i'm just going to play skywalking for my band down here in austin texas we are called black sheep optimist happy new year everybody happy new year peace I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embodied that's what go with the flow I can sing a different song If I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go